You are listening to a sermon from Mission Point St. John. We hope this message encourages a deeper connection between you and Jesus, our Savior. to the word of the Lord this morning, and I want to speak to you today, what would you exchange for your soul? What would you exchange for your soul? The most important question today that you could ever be asked is that question. This is a question that's not easy to point out in our everyday Christian lives, While it's not so difficult to distinguish uh, the body from the soul and spirit, it is particularly difficult to distinguish the soul from the spirit. And so what are exactly those differences this morning? There are a few places in the Bible where the body, soul, and spirit are mentioned. One of those is in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 23. And it says, uh, now may the Lord of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. If we delve into that verse, it clearly states that we're composed of three separate parts, the body, the soul, and the spirit. The verse also uses the word and, which in the original Greek language means to differ from each other. So this is clearly stating that each part of body, soul, and spirit is different and it plays a different role in each of us. It's easy to distinguish the body as physical. That I mean we, we can do that by using our five senses, the sense of sight and hearing and taste and smell and touch. But the spirit and the soul are much more difficult because They seem similar, but they're actually very different. They have different functions in our lives as Christians. And the Bible clearly states that they can be separated. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. So the battle for sanctification, which means simply to set apart as sacred or to consecrate, it's won or lost in the soul, which is the mind. That's that's the part of our life that must be transformed, Paul said, on a daily basis. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So on one side is the battle of our redeemed spirit, and it's directing us to to do good. And on the other side is our unredeemed body, and it's always tempting us uh, to do evil. In a spiritually dead person, the spirit is alienated from God because of sin. doesn't matter who you are. If you're not spiritually alive this morning, you're Life is alienated from God because of sin. And unless each of us make a choice to change it, that is an eternal condition. And since the spirit is dead, 
then the soul is then in charge. And so that's where our mind comes into being. So led by his or her intellect, our emotions and will, a person cannot understand spiritual concepts for they are foreign to them because if you're spiritually dead, you don't understand the things of the spirit. And so then their body merely, our body merely becomes a tool for acting out lust and passions. And, and humanity this morning is mortal which means we are death-doomed or Satan-ruled. I can't sugarcoat it for you this morning. That's as simple as it is. If you're spiritually dead this morning, you're on the wrong track. You're on the wrong track. But if a person is spiritually alive this morning, the spirit is back. It's back in fellowship with God. Because of salvation. The Easter story this morning is that salvation of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And unless a person makes a choice to change it, there is absolutely nothing in this world that can stop you from being saved if you make a choice to be. And since the spirit is alive, the soul is not allowed to be in charge. If God is alive in your life, it will help control your mind. There's an ongoing war to, to, uh, in this battle of the natural mind and the body to God's spirit. And, and, and that spirit is now dwelling in a, in a redeemed human body. And, and there's a continual battle going back and forth. And, and, and Paul, Paul makes it very clear in, in Romans. He said the body is offered as a living sacrifice to do the will of God, not allowed to fulfill the lust of the flesh. And now it's subject to the direction of the reborn spirit in a person's life. And, and through that middleman, the, the mind becomes subject to, to the power and the presence of God. It is the mind that determines the quality of a person's service to God. That's why Christian maturity is so important. And the question has to be asked this morning, what would you exchange for your soul? Would you be willing to give what has cost us very little or nothing this morning in exchange for our soul. Would you like the to buy a goat? Would you like to buy a goat? Make sure you're ready. We've got everything. I have a goat needs. for sale. It's good for We've milking. We've got cattle. We've got sheep. We've got doves. Don't have exact change? We'll Not to worry. We've got money changers too. The tabernacle like is open. Goat? The market is open. No. The Passover is near. No. Make sure you're ready. No. We've got everything no. you need. No. Don't have correct change? Not to worry. No. We've got money changers too. No! 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 Get these animals! Get these animals out! No! 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 
Get them out! Get them out! Get them out! Oh! No! No! Oh! Get these animals out of my father's house! The temple is not to be a marketplace! What authority do you have to do this? If you have such authority, then surely you can show us a sign. You want a sign? I'll show you a sign. Destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. Destroy this temple and I, I will raise it again in three days. Remember the song King David wrote about the Messiah? He said, zeal for my house will consume me. People focus on the issue of buying and selling in the temple, in the temple that day, and rightfully so, but that's not what upset the Lord the most. What upset the Lord the most was the fact that each individual was to bring their own sacrifice that they had raised over the past year to carry it to the temple themselves and to offer that as an offering to the Lord. It was to cost them time. It was to cost them energy. And it was to cost them value. They weren't to offer God something that they had not invested in. The question this morning, what would you be willing to give as an offering unto the Lord, would it be something that cost us little or something that cost us nothing? When David was repaying for the sin of numbering the people in his conversation with the Lord, he, he said that he had done foolishly, and, and God gave him three options to pay for his sin. David chose to fall into the hands of a merciful God. And even in that, Third option, God sent a pestilence and 70,000 men of Israel died. You can read the story in 2 Samuel 24 and 18. And Gad came that day to David and said unto him, Go up, rear an altar unto the Lord in the threshing floor of Aruna, the Jebusite. And David, according to the saying of Gad, went up as the Lord commanded. And Aruna looked and saw the king and his servants coming on toward him. And Aruna went out and, and bowed himself before the king on his face before the ground. And Aruna said, Wherefore is my lord the king come to his servant? And David said, To buy the threshing floor of thee, to build an altar unto the Lord, that the plague may be stayed from the people. And Aruna said unto David, Let my lord the king take and offer up what seemeth good unto him. Behold, here be oxen for burnt sacrifice and threshing instruments and other instruments of the oxen for wood. All these things did Aruna as the king give unto the king. And Aruna said unto the king, The Lord thy God accept thee. I want you to notice what David said. 
And the king said unto Aruna, Nay, but I will surely buy it of thee at a price. Neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God on that which doth cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. The whole point behind the story is David was unwilling because of sin to offer unto God nothing that he had not been invested in. We are in a society in 2020 that the challenge is that you can serve God out of convenience and you can serve God when it seems like it's just okay to do that and any other time you don't have to but I ask you this morning what would you give in exchange for your soul the soul your mind is the most valuable possession that we own Secondly, when it comes to your soul, who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you this morning? Ask yourself that question. Who do the people say that I am? Well, I've heard some say that you're a John the Baptist. I've heard people say that you were Elijah. I've heard that you're one of the prophets. My brethren, what about you all? You have been with me for some time now. You have learned from me. You have watched me as I taught. You have watched me in my ministry. Who do you say that I am? You're the Christ, the one we've been waiting for, the one our forefathers were promised and our parents taught us of. You are the Messiah. You are to tell no one of me. Let's go. Is he like one of the prophets this morning? Is he just a great teacher? Is he a rabbi? A miniature or junior God? Or is he the savior and the keeper of your soul? When Peter said that he is the Christ, that's not just any normal topic or any normal saying. He is the Messiah. He is the one who purchased your soul. He is the one that laid down his life for your soul. He's the one who paid the debt he didn't know. He's the one who became sin for us and died so that we didn't have to. He was the one that nailed our sins to the tree. 1 John 2 and 2, he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the world. That word propitiation, it's the atoning sacrifice for our sins. This is the proper sense of the word that's used in the Septuagint when it often occurs. And it's a translation, an ablation for sin, a sacrifice for sin. There was only one sacrifice that could take away the sin of my soul. And his name is Jesus. And so the question is this morning, when it comes to your soul, who is Jesus to you? 
It can't be just someone you call upon when you're sick. It can't just be someone you call upon when you're in danger and those things you can do but the most important thing that you could ever call upon Jesus for is the saving of your soul so thirdly this morning what would you exchange for your soul There's coming a time, my brethren, that I will suffer greatly. I will be rejected by the world, by even the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes. And when that is not enough, they will put me to death. After my death, unbelievable things will happen. They will believe that they have won, and they have defeated me, but I... I will raise again on the third day. What is this all about? Look at them. They are worried and confused. Why would you do this to us? Get behind thee, Satan, for you are not longing for the things of God, but rather the things of man. These things will come, rest assured, and there is to be no confusion or worry about it. Come, let's go. Peter didn't like hearing about the suffering. Peter didn't like hearing about the rejection. He sure didn't like hearing about Jesus being killed. He didn't like their group being disrupted. Their ministries being turned upside down. Peter, he opposed it. And he took Jesus and he, he began to rebuke him. And people think of that in a bad way, but Peter was showing more love than discretion. A zeal for Christ and for safety, but not according to the knowledge of God, only according to his own. He took a hold of him as, as he were to stop or hinder him. He, he took him in his arms. Some think that he maybe embraced him or fell on his neck. Uh, he, he, he was looking at him as master. You, you don't have to, to suffer such hard things. This, this is, there's got to be another way. There's, there's got to be another solution. This is not the language of a least of authority, but it's a great affection that Peter had, a, a love that, that was a strong love for Jesus. Sometimes he gets ridiculed for such things, and we look at the idea that, that the Lord said, get behind me, Satan, the only thing that Jesus was saying, Peter, you don't understand. The Lord allowed his disciples to be free with him. But Peter took too much liberty here. And Jesus checked him for his opposition. And he turned him about as one that was offended and looked on his disciples to see if the rest of them maybe had, had the same mind or concurred with Peter and, and, and whether they would think the same way. And he makes this incredible statement, Get thee behind me, Satan. Peter had a little thought that this, this can't be the way. He had a sharp rebuke. 
but it was a kind act, a love that he had for his Savior. And Jesus sees this as, no, this is, Peter, I've got ways that are above your ways. I've got thoughts that are above your thoughts. I've got something that I've got to do for people's souls. This morning, what would you give in exchange for your soul? It's a very important question. Mark chapter 8, the verses following these last two events in verse 34, it says, when he had called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. And whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whosoever loses his life for my sake, for the gospel's sake, will save it. For what will it profit a man, he said, if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what? Will a man give in exchange for his soul? And let me tell you, there's a lot of temptations that are in the world today. A lot of things that are coming against people and their lives and their decisions and their futures. And, 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 and the, the thoughts that are entering their minds even on a, on a daily basis of what's important. But there is absolutely this morning nothing more important than answering the question of what you would give in exchange for your soul. It's not worth a relationship. It's not worth a job. It's not worth a bank account. It's not worth where you live and how nice of things you have. None of those things will matter when it comes to the question, what will you give in exchange for your soul? The accolades and, and the wonderful uh, recognition that the world may give and all the things that, that may be popular in your, in your life, those won't matter when it comes to the question of what will you give in exchange for your soul. The promotion won't answer the question. Your health won't even answer the question. Your family won't answer the question. Your spouse won't answer the question. There's only one person that can answer the question, and that is you this morning. Will it be what has cost me nothing? No, no, no. No, but rather, God, I want to give you everything that I have. The greatest thing that I have this morning is my life, my future, my direction, my hopes, my goals, my ambitions, God, my attitude, my spirit, everything, God, that I have, I give it to you this morning. I won't come into your presence and, God, try to offer you something that has cost me nothing. Pastor, you don't know what I've gone through to get where you are. That's possible. But I can assure you that none of those things will compare to the question, what will you give in exchange for your soul? The second thing 
that was illustrated this morning is who is Jesus to you? Because he's more, he's more than just a man. It's more than just a name. It's more than just how you're baptized. It's more than just what you declare his name to be. Who is Jesus to you? Peter gave such a powerful response. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And thirdly, why isn't there another way? Why is it that it has to be this way? Why is it that everyone has to follow, deny, take up the cross to be saved? See, it's not. There's no indulgence at the ease of the body. The Bible very clearly says, whosoever will come after me. That's for spiritual cures and people for bodily cures. He said, let them. Let them deny themselves. Let them have a life of self-denial, mortification, and contempt for the world. Let them not pretend that everything that is around them is going to get them through. Because let me tell you this morning, it will not last. Everything around you that is not of God will come tumbling down. And Jesus just makes it very clear in this last passage, after these two last illustrations, let them deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. In closing, music come. There's four conditions. The first condition is you have to embrace Jesus voluntarily. He will not force you to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. He will not force you. You must voluntarily this morning allow your life to be influenced by the Messiah, the only person that can answer the question, what will you give in exchange for your soul, is you. Only you. Your parents can't force you. Your spouse can't force you. Your friends can't force you. Your relatives can't force you. Your employees, your employer, no one can force you to serve God. You have to make a, a decision voluntarily to answer the question of what will you give in exchange for your soul. The second condition that is required is that each and every one of us must, must lay down. Lay down everything that is attached to our life and separate ourselves unto Him and allow ourselves to be affected infected touched changed however you want to put it this morning you must allow your life to be affected by God Calvary, the cross His grace, His mercy His unending love His care for you 
You've got to lay everything down and say, God, I need to have my life reborn. I need to have my future reborn. I need to be a new creature in you, God. The third condition is you must take upon yourself his yoke. What is that? The Bible says that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. What's so wonderful about Calvary is that he already paid the price so that you could be free. You get to voluntarily decide to lay your life before him. And he has already taken care of the fee. A sacrifice that has been offered once and for all. He's willing that no one should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I would admonish you this morning, if you are not in the place where you need to be with God today, do not leave this house without making sure that you are right to be able to answer the question, what would you give in exchange for your soul? And the last condition is simply for you to engage, to follow Him. It'll never be based upon how good you are. It'll never be based upon how smart you are. It'll never be based upon how, how wealthy you are. It'll never be based upon male or female, language, color, or creed. It'll never be based upon any of those things. It's only based upon one thing, and that is if you're willing to follow him. That's it. God, I don't have a lot to offer, but I voluntarily come this morning. And I lay myself down before you. I accept the free offer, God, of Calvary this morning so I can follow you. I've asked myself the question that I'm asking you this morning. And I have no problem answering the question for me. It's not based upon being a pastor. It's not based upon being a minister. It's not based upon being brought up in a Christian home. It's not based upon being filled with the Holy Ghost. It's not based upon any of those things. I refuse to give anything in exchange for my soul. There is nothing that is more valuable this morning than your soul. Thank you for joining us today. If you want more information, connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca. God bless you.